Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief. It's our weekly show about politics. Uh, I'm Marcos Molinsis. I'm here with Carrie Alavelt from rainy California. It's apparently a thing now. Rain. Still trying to adjust. What? Not just rain, but water. It's 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 definitely odd. And uh, welcome to this week's show. Today we are going to be talking about Republicans' new message. We all hear about how Republicans used to be so optimistic, right? Ronald Reagan's morning in America. And yet now <laughs> it's something completely different. Donald Trump started the trend back in 2016. Everybody thought, oh, he can't win because he's so negative. He won. And now the whole Republican Party has been jumping aboard. Carrie, you've been on the front row of this. You've been covering this for Daily Coast. Uh, how have you survived well, the darkness? I- well, I mean, you know, you can't you you the election is what over a year and a half away, right? Um that's part that's part of what makes this stuff palatable because it it is truly dark and batshit crazy, okay? And um and so like at this point there there is a piece of us like just for survival mode because this is going to get so crazy. We have no idea where the Republican Party is going. I mean, you know, a former president of the United States could have like several indictments, criminal indictments lodged against him within the next, you know, several months. So we've never been here before. Right. But but I mean, this stuff is dark where they're taking where Republicans want to take us is is very dark. And um, I think at this point, like you kind of have to laugh at it a little bit because you can't get too serious too quick. Like this is a marathon, not a not a sprint. Yeah. Let me let me interject. So you say this stuff. Let's let's define this stuff for our Mm -hmm. listeners. Yeah, this stuff. Okay, so first of all, I I just to your point about Ronald Reagan, I think, you know, the Republican Party, which pretty much pretty until about 2016, hadn't had a fresh idea since Ronald Reagan. I mean, everything was about like Ronald Reagan, the party of Ronald Reagan, cutting taxes and, you know, all this stuff like trickle down economics. And, uh, you know, they, they just they couldn't they couldn't mention Ronald Reagan enough. OK, they finally killed Ronald Reagan. Like it's Trump so finally, <laughs> finally put the, the nail in the coffin of Ronald Reagan, because Ronald Reagan was all about morning America, the shining city on the hill, the optimism of, you know, the future of the country. And Donald Trump, you know, pretty much introduced us in 2017 when he first took office to the darkness of his administration and what he saw, you know, when he talked about um, when he talked about the uh, the American carnage. Right. Do you remember him talking about American carnage? that it ends right here, right now. And he just gave this really like gloomy picture of, of, of life in America today. Um, and what we've, what he's done and what the Republican party has done is instead of actually ending car- American carnage, they've sort of like lived into his portrait of American carnage. So, yeah. So Kerry, his book, when he ran for president in 2016 was great again, how to fix our crippled America. Crippled. Okay. Well, there you have it. It was a definite vibe for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a definite vibe. I mean, and, you know, and that a a lot of people really enjoyed, apparently. (laughs) It's like clearly like a dim worldview that a lot of people felt like things were going badly. And it and it, you know, it it definitely caught their attention. He, He tapped into something that was there. He did not create this strain 
of, you know, American darkness. He tapped into it. But now the Republican Party is really all about it. So let's so so when I say this stuff, I mean this really dark, ominous picture of a future of America. Um, And, you know, they say elections are always about the future. So if you're voting for the future and what you're getting from this Republican Party is this incredibly dark and dismal future that they're painting, like, you know, it seems I I mean, they're going to have to, like, get a majority of Americans to buy into that or at least enough Americans to win the Electoral College, which seems how many people I mean, this certainly has an appeal. Right. So Donald Trump certainly has an appeal. Yeah, let's 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 say the electoral consequences, because that's definitely a conversation we should we should have. But let's uh, we have what what did what did uh, Walter, our producer, call this? The woke apocalypse montage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So this is going to be you're going to hear from here from this. um, Now, governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Right former U.N. ambassador and former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, Haley, Florida governor, right, who's running for president, right, exactly, Um, Florida governor uh, Ron DeSantis and um, Donald Trump. And, you you know, you'll notice the darkness that sort of like it it clouds everything that they're saying. And even Haley, who is kind of considered like an more establishment type uh, candidate for president right now, rather than like the the MAGA president, you know, the MAGA campaigns being sort of pushed forward by DeSantis and Trump. Um, and even though DeSantis hasn't announced, everybody assumes he will. Um, but even even someone like Haley gets caught in this really dark. They can't. It's like they can no longer just skip over the darkness that that it has infected the entire Republican Party. OK, go ahead and, and roll with woke apocalypse montage right now, Walter, if you will. Washington taxes you and lights your hard earned money on fire but you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. But there's something else that's eating away at our national core. On Biden and Harris's watch, a self-loathing has swept our country. America is on a path of doubt, division, and self-destruction, a path of fading patriotism and weakening power. The stakes are nothing less than our survival. We say very clearly in the state of Florida, we will fight the woke in the legislature, we will fight the woke in education, we will fight the woke in the businesses. We will never ever surrender to the woke mob. Our state is where woke goes to die. Your warrior. I am your justice. For those who have been wronged and betrayed, of which there are many people out there that have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. Your, your retribution. <laughs> and, and we should say that that line got a lot of attention when he delivered it um, a few weeks ago. He delivered it in Waco again. And this is the audio from Waco in uh, where he had a, held a rally, Waco, Texas, where he held a rally over the weekend. So that that is I am your retribution is a line that is now like signature Trump and is going to re- clearly be repeated at every Trump you know, uh, at every Trump uh, event. So or 
major rally. Yeah, it, all of this, you know, that that montage, it actually makes crippled America seem tame in comparison. And it's odd that that really between 2016 and now, the only thing that, you know, Donald Trump was president for four of those years. And yet apparently one year of, of Joe Biden and things are cataclysmically worse. And yet, Carrie, this is this is, you know, I know you brought up the electoral ramifications earlier and, and um, maybe I'm bringing them up too early right now. But I think it's sort of this is what Trump and the Republican Party have been talking about the last three election cycles. They've lost all three of those cycles, Carrie. They are doubling and tripling and quadrupling and I guess quadrupling down on a rhetoric that does not sell. It does not motivate their voters to turn out and vote. It motivates our side because that shit is scary. The stuff that they're selling is fucking terrifying. And, but it doesn't motivate their side. Why are they? Why they got what they wanted? They got the Supreme Court. They got the elimination of Roe v. Wade. They got tax cuts for billionaires. I mean, they got almost everything that they wanted. What are they so angry about? <laughs> Well, I, I rhetorical think, question. <laughs> I mean, record, rhetorical question, right? I mean, the question, like, I mean, there. First of all, there's totally mockable stuff in there, right? I mean, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the great like new generation of Republicans, <laughs> right? She's telling, so you're going to be crushed. They're lighting your <laughs> your they're lighting your money on fire. You know, I mean, you know, she. I, I, let's see, and there was another quote she had. Um, hold on. The Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard realities Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. That's also Sarah Huckabee standards, right? That was her that was her response to Joe Biden's State of the Union. And I mean, she you're, you're missing, unfortunately, None of you, well, most of the podcast, you know, the, the listeners, they're not going to get the benefit of seeing her extremely dark delivery of this, like the face, the facial expression. I mean, if I'd been in a dark alley, I would have run the other way. Um, so anyway, but but then, you you know, you listen to someone like Haley do this. And I just think, you know, it's impossible what, what Haley doing it means. I mean, she talked about how. Um, this comes down to nothing less than survival, right? What they are, what they are all getting to is that the, is that that the left, that the woke mob, the threat is existential, right? It's an existential threat. That is exactly what they're getting at, and they're all doing it in slightly with slightly different you know words and whatever catchphrases, but they're all talking about the existential threat that that Democrats essentially anyone who doesn't vote MAGA. Um, poses to the country. And and when I hear someone like Haley doing that, it's I think it's just such a indication that the Republican Party, you can no longer speak to base Republican voters anymore unless you speak to this sort of very basic feeling of of um, of doom. And gloom like you can't deliver a hopeful message anymore because Trump has so infected the MAGA base, the GOP base, that in order to reach them, you have to reach them with this type of rhetoric. You can't reach them with, you know, the better, better with talk about the better angels of our America. They don't believe in it. 
Um, it's not what they're, you know, the, they're, the mindset they live in. And so you have to, you have to take a stab at this really dark doom and gloom type stuff in order to reach the Republican base. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting though, is that the Republican electoral problems right now stem in the suburbs. Like they've lost urban America. They've already consolidated rural America. So the real battleground is in the suburbs. This language does not land with generally, you know, middle class to upper middle class, white college educated men and women. And we've seen definitely we've seen women trending Democratic, you know, suburban college educated uh, white women have been trending Democratic over the last few cycles. Um, Virginia showed that they can still vote Republican. So they're not they're certainly not locked down for uh, for the Democrats, but they certainly have voted Democratic in the last three federal elections. There are hints right now that college-educated suburban men, white men, may be turning. And a big part is is this doom and gloom. And if you look at the actual metrics of America, it's unsupported. Unemployment's at a 60-year low. Uh, yes, inflation is up, but buying power is also is also up. Um, we're in a peace, you know, finally, we're in a, in a time of peace. Like we're not engaged in any, in any major war at this time. So just objectively, things aren't that bad. So you have to create the perception of doom and gloom. And this is where the QAnon and the conspiracy theories really, really start coming in. I mean, just, uh, this past weekend, a staffer for Rand Paul was brutally stabbed in Washington, D.C. in broad daylight. It was from all indications it was a robbery uh, or maybe, you know, the uh, man had just been released from prison. You know, maybe it was mental illness. Maybe it was robbery. Who knows at this time? But um, was wrong place, wrong time was stabbed. And the commentary on Twitter had suddenly turned into this is more evidence that the left wants to kill us all. And if we don't start killing them first, um, we're, we're in trouble. So this is the you know shots of the Civil War. And it was hundreds of these comments. And um, I want to laugh at a lot of the stuff that they said, but they are feeding into something that is incredibly dangerous and toxic and noxious and the there is a a now i mean it's a very clear effort to reshape reality and do so in a way that supports this idea that oh no they're under attack their freedoms are under attack when in reality again it's ron DeSantis banning books in florida libraries and talking about kicking out all liberals from state colleges it's Idaho, you know, trying to pass a law banning its people from leaving the state to have an abortion. I mean, if you talk about actual leaving the uh, or, or losing freedoms, it is not liberals who are a threat to freedom. It's quite the opposite, in fact. And so they've created this alternate reality and these conspiracy theories and and this eliminationist rhetoric that that feeds the beast. And Carrie, we've talked about before, historically, the, the Republican Party was split into three factions. There was the populist sort of Tea Party faction. Uh, there was the Christian conservatives. And then there was the Wall Street liberals. And, and if you ran for, for the Republican nomination, you pick the lane. And then you try to muscle out everybody else in your lane. And then at that point, it's, you know, who's left standing. And that was sort of the 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 approach the, the establishment candidate usually won john mccain 
uh, Mitt Romney, George Bush, George Bush again. And so um, Donald Trump really broke that mold. And it's really fascinating right now that like Nikki Haley could not be more establishment. She is not one of the MAGA crowd. And yet she thinks that she has to run for the same voters that Donald Trump already clearly has locked up. They're not even trying to find a new lane to run in. Does that lane even exist anymore? Well, Haley thinks she can, you know, she's got to, she's going to speak to, she's got to rile up the base to some extent, but then she is, she is, you know, carving. I mean, she is carving a little, trying to carve a little bit of her own. Like she, she's not, she's not, she didn't, she hasn't, she's not a Putin lover, right? She isn't going to give away Ukraine, <laughs> Lois to Putin, bar. right? She, <laughs> Lois Barr, but she's like, she's like, no, we need to be in Ukraine. I mean, I got, I'll give her credit for this. We need to be in Ukraine. This is an important fight. And, and, you know, after Ron DeSantis came, you know, came back, he's of course walked this back now, but after he came out and said, well, it's just a territorial dispute and you know, you, the, what's happening in the conflict in Ukraine, and Russia. And uh, and it's not, you know, part of uh, the United States, um, you know, uh, interests to be over there, to be supplying guns and you know, ammunition as well as, you know, equipment, et cetera, training. Um, so he, he didn't actually pledge to, like, stop everything, but he was essentially he was essentially hugging Trump's position on it, which is it's not a, it's not an important interest to ICE, a vital quote unquote, vital U.S. interest, as he said. Well, Haley used that to say, oh, no, it is indeed an interest. So she used that to differentiate herself. But they still believe that the only way that they have any chance of getting anywhere is to at least tap into a portion of this of this doom and gloom um, existential threat situation, you know, that 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 animates so many Republican voters now. Um, So. Um, you know, I have to say, you know, you talk about the attack on freedoms. You know, th- there is no party that has launched a, more of an attack on American freedoms than the Republican Party at this point in there. You know, they are attacking everything. They are attacking, you know, you're hearing a lot of anti-trans stuff. So they're attacking tan- transgender freedoms. They're attacking reproductive freedoms. Um, mm-hmm. They are attacking uh first amendment rights no drag mm-hmm. shows right freedom of speech they're attacking um freedom of information you know if there's one person that objects to a book in in Ron DeSantis's Florida then then that book gets pulled and the and the rest of the public doesn't get to see it i mean you know so the book bans and the censorship um they're attack, attacking uh black voters people of color um, with their attacks on voting yeah. rights, you know, so like they, they are attacking everybody simultaneously. Um, you know, I think that there's this whole thing about Republicans selling this anti-trans stuff as though and I talked a little bit about this with Drew last week, but this anti-trans, you know, um, heinous attacks on transgender Americans, frankly, um, and that that's going to work with suburban voters and, and maybe particularly suburban women. OK, you can't attack reproductive freedom and think that you're going to turn trans anti-trans stuff into a wedge issue. 
I don't even think they're right about the basic idea that transgender, that attacking trans folks is a good wedge issue for them. It hasn't actually, been. It never it, has been. No, it never has been. They keep trying and trying and trying and they yeah. and they don't win anything on it. You know, it's, oh, it was going to win, you know, Michigan for for uh, Trump in 2020. Well, no, it definitely did not win Michigan for Trump in 2020. I mean, you know, these are places where they tried to play mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Um North Carolina, I Arizona. I mean, North they, Carolina, Arizona. I think at one point they um, I'm pretty sure it was in Kentucky where they thought they were going to defeat um, Andy Bashir in the you know, in the not mm-hmm. the in his first election. Right. And they were going to use trans issues to do it. Well, guess what? That didn't work either. I mean, you know, it's just like over and over again, there's people who are like, well, this is the issue that's going to do it. And then and then it doesn't work. So I don't even think on its face anti-trans Ish, you know, stuff, the, the hatred that they're spewing about transgender Americans is really a good suburban issue for them. But forget about that. Even if even if it were, even if it were, there's no way that they can attack everybody at the same time, all these disenfranchised groups at the same time, and then and then cleave off like some portion of suburban women or suburban <clears throat> voters because they they're minimally, you know, upset about trans issues or something like that. I mean, it's just crazy. And and they think it's their 2004 gay marriage ban. It's not. It's, you know, the gay marriage ban sort of it, it, as a cultural issue existed in isolation. So, you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe they cleaved off some Democrat. I, I still don't believe that bullshit. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and it's so mm-hmm. counterproductive that it actually drowns out the real arguments that they might have. So, for example, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed a few weeks ago. It collapsed. The reason is pretty simple. It put most of its assets into mortgage-backed securities that were paying out 2%-ish, 2 to 3%. Inflation's at 5%, which put that investment underwater. They were not liquid. They weren't insolvent. They had still you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of these treasuries, but they were underwater, and that put them in problems. So the actual argument that a, Repo- a competent Republican Party would say is that the banks went under because of Joe Biden's inflation. That would be it. And it's too simplistic and stupid and whatever else. But from a political sense, OK, that would make sense. In fact, that's what Joe uh, that's what uh, Kevin McCarthy urged his caucus to say after a meeting where they discussed messaging on the bank's failure. After that meeting. All these people came out and they were talking about woke banks. That was their messaging. Woke banks. They had a real argument to make. Bullshitty, I think. But it was at least it had some semblance of reality and it tied into economic issues. But they can no longer even speak to those economic issues because the culture war stuff, the doom and gloom stuff is so overpowering to their to their down central nervous system or something. So so everything becomes woke. And then we've had all these hilarious, you know, viral clips of people asking uh, a Fox News host, what do they mean by woke? And she doesn't know. And asking people at, a, you know, at, at Trump events what woke means. They don't know. They don't woke. To, just woke is the new liberal. That, that's yeah. all it is. It's this meaningless word. And what's funny is that we've also seen polling that shows that the word woke polls actually very well. And if you ask the average American what woke means, it just means compassionate. Yeah, and, and a, major, so, a majority of Americans sort of view it in a positive light. Which So they have gone all in on their weird, undefinable 
I don't say definition of woke because I don't even have a definition of woke. This feeling of woke, this 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 feeling. <laughs> this feeling of woke. When people have the broader electorate has this defined sense of what you know woke just being being you know like not being an asshole. That's really what that's what really woke is in 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 uh, in essence. What a what a crazy idea. And uh, yeah. so electorally. Can yeah, I just say, ahead. I'm looking yeah, at this Rolling Stone article right now that said young Republicans are begging party elders to stop saying woke. The next <laughs> generation of conservatives support their party's, party's culture war, but they hate the way their elder Republicans describe them. So, you know, you, you're you already alienating a generation, a new, an up and coming generation. of. It's like, please stop saying this word. I mean, not only can you not define it, but young people hate it. Like, you know, it's like anyway, it's just, you know. They, it's it. I cannot. It's it's a little like it's a little like CRT in the sense that it 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 speaks to their like grievance base, but it doesn't speak to anybody else. No, and in fact, I, they're, I call they're... it I call it the Republicans fifty minus strategy. <laughs> yes, as, as opposed like... to the as opposed as opposed to the fifty one plus one strategy that you're supposed to use to like win elections. Republicans now have a fifty minus strategy. I don't know if it's fifty minus one or fifty minus ten, but it's fifty minus. I mean, it's it's you know they used to speak in dog whistles, right? The idea that you would you would code your racism in 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 ways that the broader public wouldn't realize, or at least could pretend did not exist. Uh, that's how they coded their racism back in the day. Uh, now they they have like outward code, you know, CRT and and envir- there's environmental investing, EGB, and they're throwing out all these acronyms. People don't know what the Lord, because Lord knows. Well, the Lord knows that there's nothing like acronyms, like Washington acronyms to speak to people. I mean, and it's not even like, Washington acronyms. It's like their own little like fever swamp a- acronyms. And so you ask the average person what CRT is, they have no freaking clue. Like they were good at veiling the racism in the past. I mean, it was all like welfare queens. That was what it was. And now it's, you know, the way they veil it is by using code words that nobody else understands. That's not Dog whistles. Dog. The dog hears that whistle. What they're whistling now, nobody hears it except for people on 8chan and their, you know, their fever swamps. And <laughs> congratulations, I guess. I mean, but it does not grow that electorate. And Carrie, I mean, if they cannot escape this, I mean, we're, we were talking about Tucker Carlson talking about sexy M&Ms, right? Like they actually don't have real things to point to to talk about how America is, a, is a, you know, this this cesspool of people divided against each other that they're talking about they don't actually that does not exist so they have to create this stuff which is why tucker carlson freaks out because eminem retired the sexy eminem cartoon character right i mean the the stuff that shows up on tucker carlson's show proves i mean i hadn't even heard about that i hadn't even heard about that i mean and i pay i pay you know like oh my god no, it, I it, mean it's, it's been listen, multiple I, episodes I, on sexy M M&M character has been retired. The sexy M M&M character. Well, I I am sad to have and, missed and by, that. And by and sexy, she's wearing high heels. So apparently, <laughs> and then they changed her to have sneakers, so no longer sexy. And apparent, mm-hmm. I don't want to know what Tucker Carlson did with uh, videos of high heel M M&M M <laughs> because he was really pissed. <laughs> He's really, really, really thrown by it. Oh I mean, but my that's God. the. 
But that's the point. I mean, I like, okay, so first of all, I don't spend a lot of time on Fox News because it's just like, that's a whole nother world, right? I'm usually dealing with like the politicians, right? And the Fox News is like Tucker, all that stuff. I catch it, some of it here and there. But like, he spent episodes on that, episodes, plural. And, you know, there's a lot of, lot of, I don't know, a lot of talk about this person, this this unsexy character, the the desexualization of the Eminem character, whatever. I had no I, I I don't even know. That's why that's why when they start spewing this stuff to a general election audience, no one understands what that's they're saying except for yeah. their base. Right. So they, they may be trying to win a primary right now. I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about was Maggie Hager, Hager uh, sorry, uh, New York Times, Maggie Haberman, who a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, progressives really despise her for her coverage of Trump and whatever. But the point was that she does kind of know what's going on in the Republican Party a lot of times, especially in the presidential election and the the primary. And she's talking to hacks on tap about how Ron DeSantis only talks to like Rupert Murdoch uh, properties. He like only talks to like he only gives interviews to like Fox News the New York Post. I don't know. What are the other Murdoch Wall properties? Street Journal? That, I don't know. Uh, I don't, yeah, maybe the Wall Street Journal. But like, how are you going to co- conduct a general election candidacy when at some point you're going to have to branch out beyond this friendly, you know, these friendly mm-hmm. venues that you're going to and try to talk to a, 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 you know, just if he managed to win the primary, like try to talk to Americans who aren't steeped in all of this, you know, alphabet soup of the swamp. I mean, you know, I don't know, whatever yeah. the GOP swamp. Like, <clears throat> so. And I, and I would even argue that it's that it's actually losing the base. You know, it's your strategy of you know fifty minus. It's actually eroding because if they start losing suburban college educated white men because they're going like, what what is this nonsense that we're hearing? Like they want they'll probably respond to inflation. Uh, they're not going to respond to to CRT. Uh, woke banks because it's it's all it's literal nonsense it means nothing and so we're heading into an election that that um i mean they've lost the last three elections they lost a midterm election that they should have won by a lot so this is not even um you know high turnout elections a midterm election with the president in the white house always means like not always but almost always means landslide loss for the party in the white house and it did not happen this time we actually gained seats in the senate and only lost seats in the house because of gerrymandering because of the redrawing of districts that is not going to help them next year i think we're going to take back the house the senate is a tough map but republicans are doing everything possible to keep this a incredibly competitive race even in places like montana and and uh, West Virginia, because like you said, Carrie, the efforts on trans rights have lost in places like Kentucky and North Carolina in Arizona, which, you know, it's it's a sprite still a slight tinge red at this point. But Republican candidates, the quality of their candidates has been so poor that we've been able to win the last two two election cycles in 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 Arizona and uh, and in Michigan. Uh, which, you know, Trump won in 2016 and suddenly we're winning blowout victories, right? Because people are going like, wait a second, <laughs> these Republicans are whack. And so their inability to cur- course correct 
is absolutely amazing. And that's why of all the four people that, that we played earlier today, like Nikki Haley still is the one that blows me away because she's got nothing in the polls right now. She's like at, you know, 1%. And uh, that's probably a statistical Correction, error. more like 4%. <laughs> oh, four. And so- Quit underselling Haley. <laughs> There is a place to say, okay, I'm not going to compete for the Trump crowd and DeSantis is going after them. So they're going to go after each other's throats and tear each other apart. Maybe I can carve out something of more of an optimistic track and, and hearken both to the, the history of the Republican Party, at least a fake history, right? The pretend morning and the Reagan stuff while reaching, you know, trying to be palatable to suburban voters, Wall Street voters, that crowd who, who, Will you know voting for a brown woman looks like yeah we're not racist like you know we're not we're not sexist we're different and Republicans sure you know they're <laughs> instead she's jumping in the same crowded pool with the rest of the of the of her party's trash and uh, and doesn't see a way out of avoiding that has to use that you know that apocalyptic rhetoric and and that is both scary because again you know like i said the republican base is amped up by that and will be violent about that and they have been violent and i think that's only going to get worse but it also from an electoral standpoint it, it's actually another saving grace i mean that's what may bail out joe biden's re-election campaign we may hold the senate despite a brutal brutal map and it may allow us to get an even bigger majority in the house making state uh, state legislators, governorships, all that stuff, because they can't focus on the thing people want to talk about. They can only talk about what their crazy base is focused on. And I don't like there's nothing like it on our side. And I don't think there's ever been anything on the liberal side, on the Democratic side. And I don't even remember the Republican Party being this beholden to to its you know, fringe, and they are a fringe to the point, like I said, it was always the, the establishment candidate that emerged from that, from that prime, from their primaries until Trump came along. So um, it's going to be an interesting couple of years. And I do wonder if at some point they can get out of that and start speaking more optimistically, or if they're just going to keep one upping themselves with their vision of this dystopian American uh, carnage that does not exist. Right, right. Well, I, I tell you, you know, I was just sort of looking up this. So first of all, the, talking about the Senate map, re, the Senate Republicans can't get far enough away from House Republicans. I mean, it's just every new thing, um, them backing, you know, this idea of them backing uh, when DeSantis came out and said, oh, well, it's just a territorial dispute. You know, House Republicans are all over that. They're all over like, yeah, we, we shouldn't be involved in that. We're not going to approve more money for it, all that stuff, you know. And Senate Republicans are like dying, right? They're like, this is this, this is exactly how we ended up in a place where we lost, you know, every state. They should we be were, the majority. We were, they should, yeah, yeah, we were slated to win in 2022, right? So it doesn't matter like, whether I mean they're they're fighting amongst themselves they're they they're on on every issue you know the the anti woke bank stuff is just ridiculous I mean you know um, the it, it just it's like goes on and on every new issue that comes up you know Re- House Republicans like House Republicans uh, trying to get um, uh, trying to you know subpoena Alvin Bragg uh, uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg right uh, in order to like get him to Congress to to say to infringe on his 
you know, what is it actually not a federal investigation, but a mm-hmm. a state local investigation. Right. He's a, he's a local prosecutor, state prosecutor. He's they have no jurisdiction over him. You know, and they, they ask they ask someone like, you know, John Thune about that. He's the he's sort of, you know, helming the Senate Republican caucus right now while McConnell has been out after this uh, injury he sustained. And when he he tripped and he, he got a concussion and broke a rib or something, fractured a rib, I think. But anyway, yeah, he's expected to be back soon. But but still, you asked Senate, uh, John Thune about this um, and he, you know, and he says, well, you know, I don't know that he was he obviously didn't want to get on the GOP talking points about this, although he kind of like echoed one of them, which is I don't know if this is where, you know, a local prosecutor should be putting his time and effort when there's, you know, crime rates and other crimes going on in, in Manhattan, in New York, et cetera. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of them trying to uh, subpoena him to come before Congress, I, you know, I mean, I don't know, but like that. <laughs> just like doesn't want any piece of what house republicans are doing because it's always so stupid and like asinine and it's going to run it as a roadblock in terms of them um having sustained they need to pick up two seats right they because we we're one seat up right now so pick up two seats and and but let's let's just say this though the base of the Republican Party is not where seven Republicans are. And here's the clearest indication of that. If you look at the polls in Pennsylvania right now, Doug Mastriano is winning the, the most recent polls. Doug Mastriano is just the one who like flamed out as the uh, GOP nominee in, in Pennsylvania. And in that's the how midterm. in the midterm. Right. Yeah. And, and that's how we ended up with Democratic Senator um, John Fetterman. Right. So he's back. He's like, you know, losing once wasn't good enough for me. I'm I'm back. I'm going to get in this primary to try and win in in 24. And he's he's back. And and I think they're um, the pollster was looking at him and David McCormick, who was the other GOP, uh, one, one of the other Republican candidates. He was like kind of echoing some of the MAGA stuff, but was like a much more sort of normal Republican. Try, You know, he got caught up into some of that stuff, but he was kind of like the more normal, like business guy that you would mm-hmm. think of old old school Republicans as. And he lost to Mastriano and he's still losing to him in the most recent polls. So this is where the base of the party is, regardless of the fact that Senate Republicans don't want to believe it. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have it in front of me, but there was a poll that showed that Republicans, by a, by a significant majority, would rather nominate somebody that agreed with them rather than somebody who was more electable. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, we don't need a poll to tell us that because we see it, see it time and time again. And even with the, with the school shooting in Tennessee earlier this week, I mean, we saw that Republicans have had a lot of success just by don't politicize it, stop politicizing it, and then letting the clock run out until, you know, the next tragedy. This time they're all, you know, it's all woke stuff and it's in a trance and, you know, trying to 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 blame it on 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 the fact that the shooter, is that confirmed that she was trans? I just want to be, you know, really careful here. The shooter's name was Audrey. Um, first name was Audrey. And he went by he, him pronouns. Okay. okay? okay. So, so I, I don't, I don't know that we really know if that person identified as trans. What we do know is their first name was Audrey and he went by he, him pronouns. That's all we know so, as far as I yeah. can tell. So Republicans, instead of trying to, you know, do the usual uh, thoughts and prayers, don't politicize the issue. They've actually 
activated their 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 culture war machine to blame this on on uh, trans. Whether it's true or not, we don't know as we record this, but that's what they're saying. And, and again, it's it's activating a, a tactic and a message that just resonates very very poorly. And already, you know, gun massacres aren't the most popular thing for the Republican Party, which is why they usually try to just to to keep their mouth shut and make it go away. But um, this time they're not. They're like leaning into it heavily. And, and I actually think it's going to, again, backfire on them and even in an even bigger, bigger way. So this is where we are headed for the next two years. So, yeah, yeah you want to wrap this up because. Uh, well, let me just say a couple things about this. So, first of all, what we know is, is that it doesn't matter what the gender of the shooter is. If they hadn't been able to get a chance to get their hands on a gun, if we were regulating guns, yeah. if Republicans were willing to regulate guns and 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 um, and sp- specifically outlaw assault weapon uh, assault weapons, then the shooter wouldn't have been able to kill at such a rapid pace, and many mass shootings would would be would not be many mass shooters would not be able to kill at such. Yeah, a we rapid don't want pace. anybody to have those right. Guns. I don't it's care what gender they are. Let, let yeah. me just also say, you know, someone like J.D. Vance tweets out, if early reports are accurate that a trans shooter targeted uh, a Christian school, there needs to be a lot of soul searching on the extreme left. That's Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio. OK, let me just say, no. <laughs> that, well, how about a lot of soul searching on behalf of men? Because at least 95 percent of mass shootings are perpetrated by men. Okay. So if JD Vance wants to fixate on gender as an issue in terms of let's fixate on men, which is still stupid. We can't, you know, look, if there's problems with, if there are problems with, you know, maleness and masculinity, if that's somehow playing into mass shootings, we can't fix that before we can fix whether or not they can get their hands on guns. But so Carrie, but, I, know, I searched my soul. Yeah. I did some yeah. soul searching. And I've decided that the best way to protect Christian schools from nefarious mass shooters is to ban assault weapons. That's what my soul tells me. I think I think your soul ha- I think your soul has its finger on the pulse. That's what, <laughs> that's what I think. I mean, I mean that, okay. uh, there you go. I guess, yeah, no, because now we care because it's a Christian school, I guess. And before it didn't matter. No soul searching needed because before yeah. they weren't Christian schools. But now. My soul tells me we should do what we keep saying we should do, and is protect all schools and all children. And yes. this is where the Republicans, instead of talking about the children, they're gonna they're gonna turn this into a culture war. And so, um, Carrie, that's our show for today. Yeah. But I know we're gonna be talking about this a lot because that rhetoric is they seem to be on a downward spiral. They they have to one up each other about how horrible they can be. And so it's it's bound to be ugly and probably a little depressing, but um, it, it certainly is going to have serious consequences for the Republican Party, I think, long term, both in their ability to grow as a movement and as a party and their electoral um, performance next year. So that's what I expect and kind of like what I hope, too, yeah. because the alternative hearts- is just too. Our hearts yeah. go out to to all those uh, to the victims um, and the victims' families uh, in that shooting. Uh, it, you know, it's just this is just a a tragic um, occurrence that keeps reoccurring at at more rapid pace all the time. And as long as Republicans 
control Congress or can filibuster, then we're not going to be able to get something like an assault weapons ban through. It's just that simple. Um, and there's no other way to stop this carnage other than having having an assault weapon, weapons ban and uh, stricter laws on background checks. That is our show for today. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you so much for being my lovely co-host as always. Thanks to Walter for producing this show and everybody that helps behind the scenes like Paul. So thanks everybody for uh, for um, listening, watching, reading, supporting both Daily Coast, this podcast, and the local Democratic candidates and everything that you do for our democracy because this fight is ongoing, never ending. They don't let up. We can't either. So thank you for being fellow travelers in this battle for the soul of our democracy. Thanks so much. Everybody have a wonderful week. Catch you all next week.